Now, according to my copy of written in stone of what we're supposed to do, we're going to read scripture lessons today. <clears throat> so our Old Testament text is found in Jeremiah chapter 1. We'll read the first 10 verses. We're beginning a series of studies or sermons about the character of Jeremiah the prophet. So you've got to start at the beginning. And this gives the elements of his whole ministry initially, and then particularly of his call. Listen here to God's word. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the exile of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, <clears throat> and before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go, and all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand <clears throat> and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Amen. And then our first New Testament passage is found in the Gospel of John. The very last chapter, the very last verses. We remember this, of course, it's where uh, they're on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and Peter's been asking questions, and uh, Jesus has asked him, Do you love me? three times, and he responds to that. And now, I'm going to move on to another phase of this. We'll pick up at verse 18 and read through the end of the chapter. Listen here again to God's word. <clears throat> Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands <clears throat> and someone else will, guide, will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this, Jesus said, signifying by what kind of death he, that is Peter, would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back on Jesus' bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. <clears throat> Therefore the saying went out among the brethren that that disciple would not die. 
Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is testifying to these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. Amen. And then our second New Testament reading is in the book of Acts, chapter 26. Verses 12 through 18, this is the Apostle Paul's testimony before King Agrippa and the court at Caesarea. Uh, He recounts again how it is that he is where he is, how he came to be what he's doing. And it's a powerful and good testimony. So listen here to God's Word. While so engaged, that is in getting Christians and rounding them up and sending them off to be persecuted and prosecuted, while so engaged as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Amen. We'll take just a few moments to bow our heads and silently meditate upon God's Word, which we've read. Heavenly Father, as we're here today, seated in your presence, we ask, Lord, for you to come and minister among us through the Word of God, both read and preached. Lord, uh, we need your word to inform us, to correct us, to change us, to direct us, to fill us up with all the fullness of God. So, Lord, come, help us. We want to hear from you, and we want to do, we want to put into practice that which you reveal to us. So come glorify yourself in our midst. We pray through Christ, our Savior, and the Lord of all. Amen. If we're going to understand the ministry of Jeremiah and his character, we need to know about King Josiah. Probably most of us here today don't know a whole lot about King Josiah, maybe how to spell his name if we think about it a little bit, but uh, there's much more to know. King Josiah was the great-grandson of King Hezekiah. Now, Hezekiah is the fellow you always say, you want to fool someone, turn to Hezekiah 310. It's a good biblical sounding name. There ought to be a book named Hezekiah, but there's not, right? So Hezekiah was a good king, reigned a long time in, in Israel, in Judah. Uh, he was a good king, but his son, Hezekiah's son, was a guy named Manasseh. 
and he was as wicked and as evil a king as ever there was, whether it be in Israel or someplace else. He was a bad guy. He was the most wicked of all of Israel's kings. He reigned for 55 years. That's a long time. It was a long, and you can change all sorts of things in 55 years. Now, he did have a repentance at the end of his life. Uh, we don't, it mentions it in the Bible, but in the, in the Apocrypha, they'll have a, the prayer of Manasseh and the things he prayed. But he, it says here he had a repentance, but it was just very short-lived at the end. His son, Ammon, reigned two years. And he was like the old Manasseh, that is the previous Manasseh. He was bad and wicked so that in two years his servants rose up and killed him. So bad. So we have Hezekiah, we have Manasseh, we have Ammon. Next is Josiah, finally. Josiah is the great-grandson of Hezekiah, the grandson of Manasseh. Uh, And he was made king when he was eight years old. Huh. Now, if they put the first block up here of the timeline, we'll see that the, the timeline for Josiah. Uh, show the first one where he becomes king. Can you do that one? Eight years old, he becomes king. Now, when he did that, he had had 57 years of apostasy, apostasy and wickedness as baggage. He came in with that. That's the way the culture was. That's what was going on when Josiah became king at eight years old. How much can you change in a society that's corrupt beyond degree when you're eight years old? Well, in the eighth year of his reign, go ahead, the eighth year, he begins to seek God. Now, the eighth year of his reign would have meant that he was 16 years old, and it was not easy. How could you, as a mere youth, 16 years old, uh, begin to seek God in a in a degenerate and anything goes that is a tolerant time. Nothing was wrong except seeking God. And he set his heart in the eighth year of his reign to seek God. Then in the twelfth year of his reign, that is when he was 20 years old, he began to take action. He began to purge the land of all the idols and, and things that uh, were, were there. He began to do that when he was 20 years old. This was a decisive break with everything that had gone before for the past 57 years and longer than that, hundreds of years where other kings had done stuff as well. But 57 years. His break, though, with all that had gone before was not necessarily a break which the people embraced and engaged in as well. He did that, but not necessarily the people did. Then in the 18th year of his reign, that is when he was 26 years old, the book of the law was found in the temple. Now here's a question that always buckles my mind. How could they lose the Bible in Israel? How could they lose it in Israel? They did. They lost it. And what they found was a scroll, of course, not a book, but a scroll. It was a scroll of Deuteronomy. And uh, even the priests didn't have memories of this. They didn't know where it was. 
So that tells us something about things can be lost that you think will never be lost. And people won't even know that they're lost. They won't realize how ignorant they are, how much they don't know. But Josiah, when he heard what Deuteronomy, what the Bible said, he was undone. He was just broken before God. He had great, great repentance, both for himself and for the nation, and he had gumption as well. You know what he did? He celebrated the Passover. Now, there's a passage in 2 Kings, one from 2 Chronicles, that tells us what the Passover was. So, can you put the, the passage from 2 Chronicles up here, 2 Chronicles 35? Maybe they will, maybe they won't. There it is. Hallelujah. I, I appreciate it. You got colors around it and everything. It looks pretty fancy. I didn't do that. Here's, here's what it says about this Passover that was celebrated in the 18th year that Josiah reigned. There had not been celebrated a Passover like it in Israel since the days of Samuel the prophet. It's a long, that's centuries and centuries ago. Nor had any of the kings of Israel celebrated such a Passover as Josiah did with the priests, the Levites, all Judah and Israel who were present and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thank you, that's good, now back to the timeline. He was happy. He was undone, but he was happy. He said, let's do what God says. And they had a Passover. And they did each subsequent year as that was done. But then in the 31st year of his reign, he died. He was killed in the battle fighting the Egyptians. And though he died in battle, he died at peace. His soul was at rest, even as he fought, because he was fighting the Lord's battles. That's what he had been doing all his life. So he was at peace. He was there. He was doing that. And what it meant is that he would not see the great judgment that God was bringing on the land of Israel. If he had known what lay ahead because of where the people's hearts were, it would have been devastating to him. But God let him have peace, and he died peacefully in the midst of battle. And he was gone, the 31st year. Uh, why would God let that happen? Well, just like that, to preserve his word to Josiah that he would die in peace and that uh, uh, he needed to be out of the way for that to happen. Now there's, that's good, you take that all down now that people can see that. There's one other facet, well, no, you can't. Don't take it down yet, thank you. Uh, there's one other facet of that timeline that tells a story. Jeremiah was called as a prophet in the 13th year of Josiah's reign. Remember we read that? The 13th year, so that's before they discovered the book of the law. One would think that with such a good king as Josiah there, you wouldn't need a prophet, right? Why do you need a prophet? You got a good king reigning and doing all these good things, you don't need a prophet. But you'd think wrongly if you thought such was the case. Because people's hearts were not like Josiah's heart. While there was a superficial compliance with all the directions that he said, their heart was not there. Now, one of the things that we ought to learn from this is that faith cannot be enforced from the top down. Compliance can be enforced, but faith cannot be enforced. 
Because faith is the response of the heart to God that says yes, that embraces the love of God, the promises of God, the truth of God says yes, I want that. Now, leadership at the top may be helpful, it may be instructive, it may be modeling and all those things, but it cannot, in and of itself, bring faith down below where people are. Faith requires personal response from the heart. So, five years before the book of the law was found, God calls Jeremiah to be a prophet. So let's turn to Jeremiah. Who was he? We read about Jeremiah, we know he's the weeping prophet, all those sorts of things, but who was he? He was from a line of priests that went all the way back to Eli. You remember Eli, famous in the book of Ruth and other places? That Eli was the one that uh, his ancestor traced back to. Hilkiah, it says here, was his dad, but he was not that Hilkiah. By that Hilkiah, I mean that if you read the, the text in the Bible, it says that the priest, the high priest at the time, when they discovered the book of the law in the temple, was named Hilkiah. <coughs> well, that's good, but it's not, that was not Jeremiah's dad. It was someone else entirely. There's a text from, well, what it says here, he was of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. Uh, it's easy to overlook that detail, but that detail tells us a whole bunch. So put the text from Kings up here, if you would, Herb. Here we are. This is Solomon. Remember when Solomon became king? There was quite a bit of controversy because uh, Adonijah thought he was going to be king. And there was a whole bunch of people, leaders of the people who went and were making Adonijah king. And then lo and behold, David said, no, 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 Solomon will be king. And then all those folks who had, who had been complicit in the uh, trying to put Adonijah in place were in danger. Among them was the priest Abiathar. So here's what it says. Then to Abiathar the priest, the king, that is Solomon said, go to Anathoth to your own field for you deserve to die. But I will not put you to death at this time because you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father David and because you were afflicted in everything with which my father was afflicted. So Solomon dismissed Abiathar from being priest to the Lord. Now, if you were a priest and you lived in Anathoth, it meant you were from the line of Abiathar and you had an internal exile. That is, Abiathar's line was not part of the priesthood that officiated at the temple. They were, you know, disgraced and out of there. So, as far as that goes, Jeremiah was from that line. And that line, as we said, traced its way back all the way to Eli. And so there was every reason for Jeremiah to doubt that his voice would ever be heard with regard to the things of God. However, in the call of Jeremiah that we saw here today, God is very specific. He says, you, Jeremiah, I call you. I know who you are. I know where you are. I know all this, all this history, but I call you Jeremiah. This was not simply a fortuitous meeting of time and man. The right man at the right place at the right time. No, no, no. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That is a startling thing to say. Before I formed you in the womb, that is, conception's not occurred. Yet God knows. We'll call into being. 
And what he says for Jeremiah, he can say for each one of us. God knows his plans. We sang a song about that this morning. God's plans and purposes for Jeremiah, for us, predate our conception. Now let that sink in. Think about that. He says, I know who you are. I know all the things about you. And I call you Jeremiah. I would say, by the way, for Christian people, that you might be like Jeremiah and think all kinds of things, but he says, I call you by name. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we eat one, we eat the bread by ourselves. Because to signify how God called us by name. He knows who we are. He knew us from before we were formed in the womb. But Jeremiah has objections. He's reticent. He says, I'm but a youth. I don't know how to speak. So he wants to decline God's call. Such reticence is good. Just so you're aware of that. He was not doing a bad thing by saying, hold on, I I don't want to do this. It's a good thing. It's not disqualifying because it's true. He was a youth, and it's true he did not know how to speak. But those aren't disqualifying. And we bring all sorts of excuses before God, but they don't disqualify from what God wants to use us for in and through us. Did you notice the Apostle Paul, he relates his uh, conversion experience on the road to Damascus, and all during the course of the rest of his life, he'll wonder, how could God possibly call and use me, someone who was such a persecutor of the church? I should be disqualified. I should not be able to do this. But God said, no, I want you, Paul, or Saul, his name was it, I call you, and I appoint you to do this. Personally, I think it's a good thing to realize that you're not competent to do what God has for you to do. If you think, I got it, I can do it, little curl of the lip, little whip of the hand, and woohoo, it's done. I think that's the wrong attitude. I think we need to know our incompetence. Not in a bad way, but in a, not in an abject way, but to know we can't do what God has for us to do. No matter who we are, what we are. But that should not stop us from doing what God calls us to do. So here comes the affirmations from God. He says, you know what, Jeremiah? You shall go and you shall do exactly what I've said. You will go and you will speak. You know what Jesus said to Paul? Get up, stand on your feet, go. I thought that was good too. If you read Ezekiel, Ezekiel by the river Kabar gets knocked down. God says, get up. I got stuff for you to do. He'd been knocked down by the majesty of God. Jesus says to Peter, 
follow me. Follow me. Just get up and do it. So don't think what you do for the Lord is based on your own abilities. They're based on the inspiration and empowerment of God. You still have to do it. You have to exercise your will. You have to use your pea brain and your other brain as well. You have to use all those things. But God's the one working through you. Know that such is the case. Another thing that he says here, <clears throat> don't say I'm a youth. You're a youth, but that's not it. Don't compare yourself with others. He's telling Jeremiah. Yeah, there are older people that I could have called, but I called you. And you can do the same thing. We can get wrapped up in this and forget that Christ calls us knowing who we are. He doesn't call us to be like someone else or to be compared with someone else. You know, no longer a slave to fear. If you're involved in comparisons, you're, you're afraid you won't measure up. Right? You ever had that? Well, hello. I have it every Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. How am I going to measure up to whomever it may be that you've heard or that I've heard or knows what? Well, how can I measure up? God doesn't ask us that. He says, go. Do this. Don't be involved with comparisons. And then he says, do not fear. Do not be afraid of them. Now, over the last number of years, I've preached and told you this, and I'll tell it to you again. The most often repeated command in the Bible, in one form or another, is do not fear. Fear is always opposed to faith. We're prone to fear despite our protestations to the contrary. Everyone says, I have no fear, I have no fear, I have no fear. And man, we're racked with fears. And he says, do not fear, why? For I am with you to deliver you. I will be with you, that's all right. It's a great assurance. Jeremiah, when I call you, you don't go out by yourself. You don't rely just on your own resources. I'll be with you. Now, the name of our church is a great encouragement to us in this effect. <coughs> Whom do we serve? We serve Jesus, the one who's named Emmanuel. Our church is named Emmanuel, God with us. We need to know that. I hope you understand that, you feel that, you experience that, you walk in the light of that. God with us. Uh, God equips, God changes, God touched Jeremiah's mouth, God does all sorts of things. And he did hear what God told him to do. He's going to be a prophet over all of Israel and over all the nations. He'll have things to say to all of them right there from Anathoth and in Jerusalem. Did you know that Jeremiah was a prophet for over 40 years? We don't know when he died. After the exile, he went with the people of God down to Egypt. Tradition says that he was stoned at Topenegs, which is a place down in Egypt. We don't know if that was the case. He dies there in obscurity. <clears throat> but what God called him to here when he was a youth, 
In the 13th year of King Josiah's reign, God stayed with him and had him fulfill it for over 40 plus years the rest of his life. God's call prevails. Now, one of the points of Christian life that we need to be thankful for and comfortable with is the perseverance of the saints. God is with us, will not forsake us, will guide us all the way through. And what may seem difficult is difficult. What may seem arduous is arduous, but God will see us through and will come to the end and we look forward on the day of Christ when Christ returns with well done, good and faithful servant. And that will be not because of how great we are, but how faithful we have been, how much we have allowed God to work in us, trusted in Him. And like Jeremiah, we're going to see over the next few weeks, he had lots of things to contend with. And this call was the foundation. God's with me. God knows what's going on. God has a word to speak through me and a word to speak to me. We need to make sure God's call is on our life, to follow Him, to be His servants, to be just like what He said to Paul, get up, stand on your feet, and follow me. May we hear that call, and may we do so. Amen.